Hello and welcome to Smiling in Hell 2.0, Life After Retirement and Then Some. I'm your host, Larry Peterson, uh, bringing you a uh, podcast version of some blogs that I've written over the last uh, X number of months since I retired. And uh, today was one that I wrote a couple of them about a month or so ago when uh, the uh, it was near uh, the beginning of autumn. And today's episode, chapter 25, 25 of these things? Are you kidding me? I, I didn't think I'd make it past two. Anyway, today's chapter 25 is called Keep It Away From Your Shoes. So uh, when I wrote this, the uh, first day of autumn had come and gone. It was about a week ago. And uh, although we were still enjoying more than our share of dry, over 90-degree days, I did notice that uh, I hadn't had to cut the lawn every couple of hours, uh, change my shirt uh, due to breaking sweat on my way to the car, and uh, I didn't hear the air conditioner's plaintive wail 24 hours a day, 22, 23 maybe, but not 24. In other words, it was starting to feel, if only a little bit, like fall. And, and with that feeling, which comes with my favorite season of the year, I always tend to tiptoe through memories of going back to school, especially those holy days at, at Carolina and Chapel Hill, along with some bittersweet recollection, recollections of girlfriends gone by, uh, the almost West Craven-like nightmare images of freshman calculus, a well-lubricated attendance at Carolina football games, and, and that's where our favorite cheer was, wait till basketball season. Um, there are also thoughts of quad mixers, pig pickings, snippets of color in the trees, and activities way too numerous to enumerate here. In other words, I have plenty of fond memories of my college days. And, and this year, they seem to be especially strong since, as some of you readers may recall, I have a daughter who just started her first year of university bliss at a local school where she's dipping her uh, matriculational toe in the collegiate pool. Like so many kids these days, she's still traversing the territory of deciding what she wants to be, vocationally speaking. With a plethora of talents at her disposal, she's still trying to figure out which fairway to tee off on. So she's sampling from a variety of courses and curriculum routes as she climbs towards a potential career. A confident father, I know she will make a wise decision. So as I've learned, especially over the past few years of my attempts at offering advice, direction, experience, and other nudges in support of her efforts, I have currently backed off and am now enjoying the view from the balcony and occasionally biting my tongue. But I, of course, am also still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up, which, as it looks now, is probably not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, having gone through the joys and trials of a college education where I, I fundamentally knew that I was going to do something, anything that was as far away from the maths and sciences as possible, I pursued a course of study more in tune with writing and sort of like my old man would lead me gently down the road towards advertising and marketing, <laughs> not realizing until years later how much math and science was included in marketing. Oh, and I considered a number of other career choices along the way. I knew there would always be big money in accordion repair. And I thought raising marmots for fun and profit might be a lucrative endeavor. I even once considered a career in commercial art and even went so far as to draw Winky as challenged on the matchbook covers of the time for entrance to the commercial artist school. 
not surprisingly, I was turned down, which gives you some idea of my artistic acumen, thus ending what would have been an art career, the level of Jackson Pollock, Rembrandt, and maybe Stan Lee. But twas not to be. So as my daughter feels her way through the early stages of the Halls of Wisdom, I try not to share too many of my own recollections of early college life. For one thing, as she's attending a local school, she's commuting to and from class every day as opposed to living on campus as I did. And while that provides a nice savings in our college expenses, I do hope that after she enjoys a few years at the local school, she'll get the chance to experience the wonders and adventures that can be had by living on campus. I mean, aside from being close to the center of the activity, it's a great way to become indoctrinated in, in so many uh, social, logistical, and housekeeping skills that may be valuable in one's post-collegiate life. Uh, not that I can or would ever consider sharing any of these so-called skills with my daughter, mainly because she's a lot smarter than I was at her age and less prone to crawling into the abyss of idiocy enjoyed by her old man like drinking. Okay, uh, this is not to say that I encourage or am a proponent of underage drinking, imbibing to excess, driving while tipsy, or guzzling directly from the nozzle of the nearest keg. It is, however, that first hangover, if one is so inclined to wander in that direction, that can be as valuable in education as learning the history of the macadamia nut, the creation of the Grand Canyon, or what the heck the periodic table of elements is anyway. Learning to avoid and or control one's potential penchant for the fruit of the vine can be a very worthwhile course right up there with trigonometry, astronomy, and botany, which was a well-known slide class during my days at UNC. So in one's early exposure to partying, it's also a chance to learn some life lessons that one can carry with them forever. Along the same lines as plant your corn early, buy low, sell high, and uh, never eat a sandwich you found on the ground, I learned an early lesson while graciously releasing my own Dionysus-like party animal loose upon an unsuspecting world. Oh, oh yes, oh yes, I too was known to let my inner Falstaff enjoy a night or two of painting the town red. One of my most vivid life lessons occurred during my early campus days when one of my high school buddies, Robert, who was also attending UNC, mentioned to me that he was going to a fraternity rush wine mixer and wondered if I'd like to go with. Even at that early point in my school career, as far as fraternities were concerned, uh, being pretty much a flannel shirt and jeans rather than a polo shirt and chinos kind of guy, I was pretty sure that I was a confirmed GDI, god dang independent. Yeah, I was pretty sure that frat life was not for me. Not that there was anything wrong with that, but I just knew that I was not interested in actually pledging a fraternity. I was, however, more than willing to drink their free wine and nosh their gratis fromage. I mean, heck, I wasn't dumb. Besides, there might be girls there. So throwing on my cleanest flannel shirt and jeans, I, I met up with Robert. We wandered down to the I felt a thigh or I tap a keg house and uh, like a scene from Animal House, wandered around feigning sincere interest in their code and mantras as I quaffed more than a few glasses of the best, i.e. cheap, 
box wine and mystery cheese that money could buy. I, I think the wine was Old Kneecap or a Boxovino uh, brand. Mmm, -hmm, good. Well, after enjoying more than our fair share of this wine-like substance and not getting any second looks from the pretty co-eds in attendance, Robert and I decided to make our way downtown uh, to downtown Chapel Hill and, and found ourselves at one of our favorite haunts of the day, the Buckeye. Ah, the Buckeye. A dark, loud, beer-smelling cigarette smoke, yeah, remember those? And other questionable aroma-filled establishment, perfect for taking our already wine-soaked livers to the next level. And of course, what better to put on a foodless, wine-filled belly than a couple of lungfuls of secondhand smoke and a few cold beers, right? Perfect. So that's what we did. Now, not that uh, it's anything to be proud of, but from that point on, things are a little fuzzy. I think we may have played a few games of the, uh, the video game Asteroids since the Bacchae was one of the first places to have it. Uh, we must have hung around there long enough to, to close the place since Robert had to wake me from the nap I was enjoying on one of the pinball machines in the back room. Even though I told him I was still playing it, he and the fairly hefty bartender behind him uh, said we had to go. So sliding off the nice cool glass table, wiping my drool from the top and eventually finding the floor, <laughs> we made our way out into the cool uh, late night, early morning air and began working our way like Lewis and Clark or Martin and Lewis anyway, back to our respective dorms. It was about this time that, that as we were walking down Franklin Street, that venerated Chapel Hill thoroughfare as honored as Broadway, the Champs-Élysées, and the Sunset Boulevard put together that my slightly volatile tummy began to play a Keith Moon drum solo on the inside of my grand intestine, making me slow my walk. What's the matter? Robert asked. Uh, kind of queasy, I replied. Might be something I ate. Yeah, you didn't eat nothing, remember? Oh, yeah, I said, probably should have. Uh, maybe. At that point, the chemistry experiment that I had been concocting all night decided to raise its ugly head with the reaction created, and I began to decorate the sidewalk near to where the historical and recently canceled statue of Confederate soldier Silent Sam could keep a stalwart eye on my actions. In my mind, I did a slight salute to old Sam, and I swear I saw him roll his bronzed eyes as I continued to hurl chunks. Well, it was at this point that Robert, good and solid friend that he was, with his supportive hand on my shoulder, bent over as it was, pushed me gently forward and shared a nugget of wisdom that has stayed with me all these years. Through the fog and fuzz of my mind, I can still hear Robert say, keep it away from your shoes. Keep it away from your shoes. I looked down and saw that I was, in fact, wearing hush puppies and knew that considering the damage my organic spray paint would inflict on these suede-like slippers, Robert's sage advice was worth its weight in old kneecap wine. We stayed there for a minute or two, waiting to see if there would be a sequel to the main feature or a gag reel, uh, no pun intended, and finally decided that the show was pretty much over 
and we continued silently along our way. When I got to my dorm, I said thanks to my friend. Feeling better, he asked. I guess, I said, thanks, again. Yeah, you're going to feel like crap in the morning, he said reassuringly. I'll see ya. See ya, I replied, and watched him walk into the fog towards his dorm, and I couldn't help but remember his fond words of advice. Keep it away from your shoes, as I made my way to my room. As it turned out, the next morning I found that I hadn't completely followed his advice and found my shoes parked outside the room in the hall, placed there apparently by my roommate, who, when asked, just said, smelled bad. Oh, sorry, was all I could say. Epilogue. We lost Robert a few years ago to cancer, and although we had only kept in touch intermittently, we shared the same birthday, April 1st. So I would think of him at least once a year. I've told the story of decorating Franklin Street quite often. Over the years, whenever I found things not going, not quite going my way, my mind would wander back to that fateful night. And I would remember Robert's advice, appropriate in almost any situation. Keep it away from your shoes. Here's to you, Robert. And thanks again. Well, thanks for listening to Smiling in Hell 2.0. Uh, uh, I'll be back uh, in a little while with another chapter. In the meantime, have a great day.